Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Hey, this is Rob Carlisle from The Compulsions, and you're listening to Talking Metal. Welcome to another edition of the Talking Metal podcast, home of all things hard rock and heavy metal. I'm Mark Striegel, host and producer of this show since 2005. Now, let's get things started with the Talking Metal theme song, written by Rob Halford, Metal Mike, and Roy Z. Mark Striegel of Talking Metal, and we are here in West Orange, New Jersey, at the Poor House. I'm hanging out with John Wiederhorn. How are you? I'm doing all right. Thanks so much for having me. You bet. We got Rob Carlisle on today's episode. He's a New York City rock and roller. We're going to hear from him in a few minutes. But uh, before we do, we have John Wiederhorn here, who's done so many great books, Louder Than Hell, the Scott Ian book you worked on, uh, the Al Jorgensen book. What, What else? I got one coming out on uh, Roger Moret from Agnostic Front, which uh, is actually not going to come out until next summer, but um, we're wrapping it up now, and and the story is just insane. uh, For those who don't know the band, uh, they were one of the kind of seminal bands from the the crossover hardcore metal scene from the uh, Lower East Side of New York, and uh, this guy is just uh, a charismatic, insane, amazing dude who's just got... These incredible stories of uh, you know uh, squatting in the East Village and being homeless and 
and fighting his way out of uh, precarious situations with Latin gang members and being uh, uh, targeted as, as, as uh, uh, being part of some organization which they never were part of, uh, Maximum Rock and Roll, uh, which was a fanzine that, exhibit, uh, that existed in, in, in L.A., was uh, really down on AF from the, from the very beginning and, and kind of pegged them as this uh, neo-fascist uh, band, which they never were. They were so much more about, uh, you know, fighting the system and, and uh, thinking for yourself and self-empowerment. Um, so they were always battling with that, yet they managed to, like, create this incredible crossover uh, uh, sound right at the time where uh, bands like Anthrax and, and Slayer were, were coming up, and they did these bills with them. It was them, the Cro-Mags, um, you know, there were a bunch of, uh, of New York bands, Suicidal Tendencies, another band that was beginning the crossover scene. Anyway, just an incredible story this guy had. Um, and then he went to jail for two years for uh, uh, dealing coke because he couldn't make any money in uh, hardcore <laughs> despite the shows they were playing and then the uh, notoriety he was getting. So the, the, the story flips into this insane, you know, Shawshank Redemption style jail story. And then the, in the end you have this redemption tale of uh, really him coming back, cleaning up, you know, uh, planting new roots and, and, and establishing new priorities, but still keeping... Uh, Hardcore strong and keeping his his uh, ethics pure and, and and keeping the band alive. So, uh, not not to sell the thing too heavily, but uh, when is it coming out? Uh, it'll be out next summer, and it's uh, yeah. So so look for it. it it's uh, the tentative title is My Riot. So we'll see if that changes. But it's My Riot, Agnostic Front, Grit, grit Guts, and Glory. John, you've obviously written for a lot of different publications: Revolver, Rolling Stone. Right? Who 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 else? Uh, Yahoo Music, I'm doing uh, a lot for uh, Bandcamp uh, Daily. I've been, uh, been writing for them a bunch. Um, yeah, just lots of, uh, lots of freelancing. Uh, uh, Loudwire, got to gotta, uh, throw the horns out to. Uh, great website and uh, lots of cool content over there. Um, so, yeah, uh, working for just a bunch of places, uh, uh, Guitar World, keeping me busy. So um, between that and the books, it's, uh, you know, knock on wood, it, the work keeps coming. One of my favorite books of the last few years was the, the Scotty and I'm the Man book, which you wrote with Scott. It was great, great read. I highly recommend everybody check that out. We'll have it linked through today's show notes. You can pick it up on Amazon. Uh, you know, and speaking of Anthrax, excellent record by those guys this year, For All Kings, one of my top two I think of the year possibly my my number one album of the year Anthrax for all kings you know and it's the end of the year so I wanted to ask you John what were some of your favorite albums of 2016 there were some really good albums well yeah Anthrax nailed it on that one for all kings you know they, they, they really came back after worship music and uh, it was a, a high bar to reach but they were totally pumped they uh, were riding a wave of popularity. They were back with Joey Belladonna, and uh, he just sings his ass off on this album. He sounds so good. The riffs are so strong. Charlie's playing is so intense. They're so hungry. They've got this mixture of melody and sheer aggression, and just great songwriting. So I'd put that up there as, uh, as one of my top albums. What else? And a lot of thrash, really. I gotta say, uh, Megadeth's Utopia, uh, Dystopia, yeah. was uh, one of my favorite records. I, it kind of took me by surprise because I was a real big fan of the old lineup, 
you know, well, the last lineup with, uh, you know, Chris Broderick on guitar uh, and, and uh, you know, they had a different drummer and, and suddenly those guys are gone. They start form their own band and I'm like, whoa, what's going on? What's going on with Dave? Why can't he keep a lineup? And, you know, boom, out of nowhere, Chris Adler from uh, Lamb of God comes in and plays drums on this record. And uh, uh, Kiko, uh, I, I, I'll massacre his last name. Right. <laughs> from Angra. <laughs> Angra, yeah. right. Yeah. Comes in and the guy shreds and rips. And, and this album is just full of blistering, aggressive, strong material that's got this swing to it that really takes you back to the peace cells, but who's buying, you know, even killing is my business days. Right. And it's just really a, a, a powerful and, uh, and, and musically adept album. Uh, Dave sounds fierce on it. He's addressing some stuff that's near and dear to his heart. He's very, uh, um, you know, in tune with what he's singing about, some of which is pretty political. Um, and, uh, you know, really doing what you should in metal, which is uh, uh, screaming from your heart and, uh, uh, you know, spilling it out. So uh, that's definitely one of them. Um, on the flip side, I think Deftones Gore album is really fantastic. Um, you know, they've always been really on the fringe um, and willing to take chances and uh, experiment with, with different uh, styles and sounds and, and guitar tones and effects and uh, electronic uh, embellishments. And on this one, it really feels like they have that balance of, of ferocity and, and melody down. And uh, Chino Moreno's is uh, emoting from the heart and sounding fantastic. Uh, really, really great record. So I highly recommend that one. Um, and uh, uh, of course, uh, you know, Metallica really uh, slipped one in by the end of the year. And uh, you know, self-wired to uh, hardwired to self-destruct. Excuse me, <laughs> a couple too many beers is. Uh, a killer record really really strong strong follow-up for them um, you know their last album death magnetic received a lot of praise and was was uh, put in the same sort of circles as their early thrash stuff uh, and uh, you know to follow that up would be a real challenge for any band but I think they went into it just playing uh, you know with a love for music and trying whatever they wanted and while on uh, Death Magnetic, they specifically went back and listened to their first three or four early thrash albums to uh, develop a sound. I think on this one, they, they revisited the first one, but they also just went all out and experimented and played around with different sounds and tones and came up with a complex, multifaceted album that just rips. Right on. Cool. Right now, let's check out some Metallica off of Hardwired to Self-Destruct, and we'll be back here on Talking Metal in, in a little bit.
Guys, we're here with John Wiederhorn. John, thanks so much for joining us on this episode. Oh, it was a pleasure. Thanks for having me. You bet. Now we're going to get into a little Bruce Dickinson, some classic Bruce Dickinson solo material from the 1990s, followed by my interview with Rob Carlisle. And we're going to listen to some of this guy's music. Rob plays in the Compulsions, a great New York City band. He's going to tell us all about that. Has a history with Bumblefoot and Frank Farrar and Richard Fortas from Guns N' Roses. So stay tuned for a great interview with Rob. And we'll also hear some of his music throughout the rest of the episode. Right now, a little classic Bruce Dickinson.
What you just heard was the song The Tower by Bruce Dickinson from 1998. And we're going to be getting into a bunch of music by the Compulsions right now. They're a New York City band. I would call them rock and roll. Some of the songs are hard rock. And joining us on the line right now from the Compulsions, Rob Carlisle. How are you, Rob? I'm good, man. Yourself? I'm I'm doing good. You have quite a history with this band, and uh, it recently came to light. My my wife was talking with you, and it sounds like we even had a, a maybe a minor minor history way back in the day. I want I want to talk about that, uh, and I want to play some of this great music that you've been making for the Talking Metal listeners because you've been doing it a while, and uh, I, I really think the listeners who dig hard rock who like rock and roll just straight ahead real stuff are going to dig this so let, let's start things off with a song and then we're going to come back and talk to you all about the compulsions this is house of rock on talking metal Yeah. 
What you just heard was House of Rock by The Compulsions. Our guest today is Rob from The Compulsions. And Rob, let's uh, let's start with you and I. Just I don't want to bore the listeners too much, but but uh, you know, my wife was out at a show. And I guess she ran into you, and, and you were saying that you had played with me. And I have to tell you, it took me a while to figure out what, where, and when we played together. But this is going. What do you think? Like ninety three or four or what? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, yeah. I guess that, I don't, I'm afraid to say it, but that's over 20 years ago, right? <laughs> yeah, so a while ago. Um, yeah, it took me a while because she was like, yeah, he, he said he played with you. And I kept thinking because at that time I was really trying out a lot of different like musical dis- diff- different groups and stuff. But yeah, there was this guy, Gideon. Uh, and, exactly, and, exactly. And, and I remember I played there was a bunch of players like in and out of the band. He kept bringing people in. And, and I actually remember I, I left the band. The one thing I do remember is I left the Gideon's band after probably really only playing with him probably under 10 times, I would think in rehearsal. And we never even played a show. And I, the bass player left with me and we went and formed another band. Um, so I, I'm not sure you, you said that we only played once or twice together in with Gideon is that right that that's the way I remember it. Yeah. yeah we did it once or twice it was I I'm I'm, I'm I think it was at ultrasound right yeah, um, makes sense. it was literally my first time ever in any kind of band like situation wow. you know at first time ever in a, re, in a rehearsal studio my, my first time ever trying to make a go with this whole thing and uh like you said Gideon had pulled us all together and from what I remember, we just, uh, you know, banged out a few covers. Um, if memory serves me correctly, we did No More Mr. Nice Guy. Wow. We did um, uh, Strutter. And I think we did um, either Bitch or Heartbreaker by the Stones. I don't remember which one. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, but like <laughs> I was like, I was super green. I had no idea what I was doing. Some good and, songs. Uh, that's kind of- yeah, 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 totally, and and and, and that's kind of how it started for me. So wow. yeah, we ended up. I only yeah, I only did about two times with you guys, and then I guess we all went our separate ways eventually. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting because I now that you mentioned those songs, I I vaguely remember playing those songs, and and um, you know it, it, the one thing with that situation with Gideon is is I wanted to play guitar because I'm a guitar player, and 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 he didn't want a, a singer who played guitar, and that may have been one of the reasons I didn't really stick yeah. with him all that long. But uh, interesting how paths cross, and here we are again like you said over 20 years later but enough of that i mean the compulsions you guys have such a a just crazy history you've had members of guns and roses in the band members of hanoia rocks in the band i think that there's some real exciting stuff to talk about as far as your history goes but let's start off with what's going on right now you are in the studio i guess i would say with a, a friend of the show bumblefoot a great great guitar player who is has just an amazing history himself, in, of course, including Guns N' Roses. A, what are you working on with Bumblefoot? And B, how did you get to know him? Um, I, yeah, I've, I've been in and out of the studio the past few weeks, actually all year, but uh, definitely been a bit more busy uh, in recent times. Um, what we're working on is a lot of material. Um, I'm not really sure what 
we're making here, if it's a full-length album or a double album, um, or uh, am I just going to put out one single a month for for a year and a half? I, I, I'm not really sure yet. I guess I'll know when we get to the end. Um, how did I get to know him? Um, he'd been to a few compulsion shows uh, when I had the, um, I guess let's call it the Frank Ferrer, Richard Fortas, Sammy Yaffa version of the band. Right. I know Bumble came to a couple of shows. Uh, I met him backstage at 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 a at a GNR show in Italy, if I remember. Wow. Maybe I met him at maybe I met him at the New York show. I, I'm not sure. And uh, and you know, um, just to be quite honest, uh, not working with uh, Richard anymore. We definitely. Uh, you know, how to falling out or whatever right. you want to call it. And uh, I was looking around for another guitar player and I uh, I was like, you know what? Who's somebody that's like super badass, number one? Um, you know, m- m- music always comes first, but what's a name that would like raise eyebrows? And, okay. um, and, and, you know, Bumblefoot definitely fits that bill. And so I reached out to him. Frank gave me his contact information. And, uh, you know, as you know, he's, you know, perfect gentleman sick player and um and it's been working out great cool very cool well i want to check out some of the music you're doing with him but before we do that the the dirty fun album which was a very strong album came out back in 2015 really not that long ago i mean last year uh probably it was you know a year and a half ago probably almost two years probably in february i think and that album again had quite a lineup yourself but also frank ferrer Richard Fortis, Sammy Yaffa, who Sammy, of course, was with Jet Boy and Hanoi Rocks. And I mean, the list just goes on and on with him. But how, how did you end up on that record? I want to talk about what happened to that lineup. But first off, how did you end up with those guys in the band? When did they join um, the band? Well, to be fair, join the band, you know, they would probably scoff at those words because to be perfectly honest, they're session musicians. So, okay. Sammy uh, included? Jo- yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they, you know, if you have the money, they'll show up. They'll learn your material. You know, they'll play it amazingly. Um, so I am, for um, better or worse, I am the compulsions thus far. Okay. Um, so I would, and by the way, I would have loved to make it be a real band. Um, and they know that. It's just not something that they were interested at the time. Uh, interested in at the time. Um, I, I'm pretty sure that musically they loved it, um, but those guys, you know, put a lot of importance on, you know, the money, right, and right. they got to go. They got to go with the money, and mm-hmm. I understand that. Um, what was a little tough was, uh, you know, some of the. Um, you know, some of the attitudes and some of the behaviors behind the scene were pretty fucking harsh sometimes. Right. And, um, and so after a while, I just really, you know, they just became more trouble than they were worse. I mean, there's really no other way for me to put it. Um, okay. so one by one, you know, it just became too difficult to work with any of them. And it's a shame because the music is great. And, 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 and on the musical, uh, chip, we definitely work great together, but on the professional and personal side, um, it was a bit rough a lot of the times, and it just became really too much 
uh, for me to tolerate. So, you know, and, and was, was have, not to pry too deeply, and, and you know, I don't want to go no, totally okay. negative with this, but when, when are you hinting at financial things that they wanted from the band, or was it just simply the personalities weren't kind of mixing well together? Um, that's a that's a great question, and I think they're kind of intertwined. I, I really don't know. I really I really don't know how to answer that. It's just that. Listen, they have to go with the gig that pays more money, right? You know right. what I mean. And and my, and my gig can't compete with the with the other gigs that they have, and that's cool. I get it. If somebody would have just called me up and said, "Hey, listen, you know, I can't do this any further. Um, it's been great. It's been fun. I, I I know what you I know what you're what you what you're wanting, and I know what you 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 you're expecting, but I can't deliver that. If we would have ever had a conversation like that, that would have been cool, but. To be quite honest with you, we never had any conversations. Uh, right. you, you know, we never talked on the phone. Um, and if we did, it was years ago. Um, all conversations were via text and email. And it's, it's not easy to run a band like that. Yeah. Um, so I just couldn't take it anymore. And I really felt like, you know, um, I know, listen, I know all, I pretty much know most of their musical um, history history, their, you know, their careers, what they've done. I don't think they hold a candle to what we've done. And, um, cool. and, and I, and I think that, I think it was just kind of squandered. I think the whole, um, I think the way the whole thing went down was really unfortunate and it was one by one. It wasn't like, it wasn't like one fell swoop. I, uh, I, I decided to replace everybody. It was like each dude made it a little more difficult, um, at different times. And it just wasn't something that I wanted to deal with anymore. Right. Um, so when you say financial, it's just that no, I treated them great financially from my, from my perspective. I mean, right. I, I don't think any I don't think any independent artist that's ever hired them ever uh, treated them as, as as well as I did financially. It's just that I can't compete with you know the other acts that they're also a part of. There's just no way. I mean, those are right. that's, first, first of all, Guns N' Roses is one of the biggest bands in the world right now. I can't I can't compete with that paycheck. Right. Um, but if we just would have had a conversation about it, you know, um, like adults or like men, then I probably wouldn't feel as bent about it as I do now. But I'm moving forward. Um, I have a whole new, you know, lineup of guys that I'm working on pulling together. And hopefully the guys that are on the majority of this new album will be, you know, I could continue working with in the future. But that remains to be seen. Right. Can you tell us who you're working with besides Bumblefit on, on the stuff? Um, well, too one early? guy that I, that, no, no, that's fine. Um, on base, I've, uh, uh, you know, after, after, um, you know, Sammy basically moved out of the country. So that made it really, really hard to continue working with him. So I went and got this guy, Alec Morton, who I was always a fan of. He used to play in Raging Slab back sure. in the day. Yep. Um, and so he's, you know, he's been working out great. Uh, Bumble is on a bunch of the new tracks, and then as far as drums, that that one thing I I don't want to reveal just yet. Okay. Um, I haven't haven't officially started working with that dude, um, but I have high hopes. I've been a fan of him for a while. Um, like I've alluded to, you know, I I had a lot of problems with Frank over the years, and I and during those times, um, I did reach out to this particular drummer to to, to perhaps come in and save the day. Right. And then it ended up being it ended up being that we ironed stuff out and I didn't go with them. But this time around, we're definitely set up to uh, to go in and record. 
Right. Okay, cool. Well, that's a good tease. It's a good tease. Yeah. And, you know, uh, I, you know, we're, we're, we're very friendly with Frank here on, on, uh, on talking metal and, you know, we, uh, we respect what he does so much and, and, uh, we think he sounded great with the compulsions. So all oh, that is, totally. yeah. So I just wanted like I to, said, like I said, like I said before, I think, I think that we, um, I think that, that the whole compulsion thing, the beauty of that whole thing was completely squandered and taken for granted and looked down upon at the time. I don't, right. I don't know how everybody feels about it now, but at the time it was, um, it was pretty grim from where I'm coming from. Well, Okay. All right. Well, I got you. I mean, this this is a perfect segue into a song, which I think goes back to about 2011. Correct me if I'm wrong. The song is Hired Gun. Um, any backstory we should know about this actual song? There's a lot of backstory to that song. I mean, one thing I love about songwriting is, uh, to me, it's got to have a great title. Like, I, I want the listener to look at the list of songs and, and be like, I have to press play on that. I, I, I want to know how they're going to pay that off. And look, you know, I don't live in a bubble. I, I know how people have, you know, referred to the Guns N' Roses guys. And right. so I thought it'd be really, I thought it'd be really cool and really funny to write a song called Hired Gun. And, uh, and, and, and to their credit, they all went along with the joke. Right. Um, and, and when you press play on the song, it actually has nothing to do with that whole thing. Uh, I, I kind of wrote it as like, it, for me, it was like, the compulsions homage to all things Bon Scott era ACDC. I kind of wanted us to sound as close to, you know, highway to hell era ACDC as possible. I don't know if that's the way it came across. Yeah. No, um, it has an ACDC vibe for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then even, even the main character in the song, he's kind of like the same guy from, um, from the dirty deeds song, you know, uh, uh, okay. he's, is, is he a hitman? Is he a, is he a gigolo? Is he both? So if you listen to the lyrics, it's kind of got all that like sexual double entendre type stuff, which I thought was really fun to uh, to sort of write for that kind of character and um, and sort of play that kind of character. So I was really happy with the way that came out. Everybody did a great job on that. Cool. Let's check it out right now on Talking Metal. This is Hired Gun by The Compulsions. Well, I'm a real sharp shooter I'm a real 
That song right there, Hired Gun by The Compulsions. We are talking with Rob Carlisle of The Compulsions, currently working on new music, and uh, we're excited to hear that. Let's talk about the Kiss cover you did recently. Tell us uh, what it is and a little bit of the backstory. We did a cover of Shock Me, and that it kind of is related to a few releases prior. We did a cover of Cocaine, Okay. Uh, which uh, every, most people know the Eric Clapton version. It was actually written by a guy named J.J. Kale. Right, an old um, blues song, right? Sort of, yeah, like a roots rocky uh, uh, sort of blues Oh, yeah, song. yeah, then, but it wasn't old. Wasn't it like it also came out in the 70s and then like a couple years before the Eric Clapton version or something? Is that right? I, I think I think, I think J.J. Kale's version is, is, is he, he wrote it. Oh, okay. I think Clapton covered it after. I'm yeah. not really sure on the on the facts there. Right. But um, but one of the things about the compulsions is I love doing stuff that sounds like a really bad idea on paper. Like covering cocaine sounds like a terrible idea just because every every bar band out there has done like you know a hackneyed version of it. So right. I I, I kind of wanted us to take it in a in a in a in a in a much different direction. It's definitely seems like it was written to be more of like a what's the word like a cautionary tale like a more of an anti anti-drug kind of song right. but the way those got the way those guys did it you know cocaine kind of sounds like a good time yeah so if you ever listen to our version it's way darker and more sinister and a bit more uh i've heard people compare it a little bit more to like you know something that maybe trent reznor or marilyn manson would have done so uh so to answer the question about shopping, when, when I saw what the producers and I were able to do with cocaine, I was like, wow, we, you know, we took, a, you know, a very familiar rock and roll song and, and really did a number on it. And what else can we do? And literally one night I was just uh, sitting home with, the, you know, all my music on shuffle and shock me probably came up and I was like, you know what, we should do a version of shock me. Um, that because all the lyrics are about like electricity and electronics and that kind of stuff, let's do a version that sounds, I mean, you know, like, like, like electricity, whatever electricity sounds like. So, so there you have my voice sounds a little more synthetic, like it's like some sort of robotic kind of, you know, treatment on it. And, uh, and so it was sitting in the can for a long time and it sounded really good. And then when I hooked up with, uh, with Bumblefoot, I guess it was last year, the way he plays, I mean, we all know he's like, the, you know, the shred king. Um, I thought it would be cool to sort of add that more futuristic outlook on, on the guitar, uh, you know, uh, and the more space age or, or whatever the word is, um, you know, uh, you know, kind of angle that he 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 adds to things. I thought it would be a really cool idea to put that on that particular song. And so that's what we did. And, and there you have it. Cool. And, and what, like, where is this? Like, uh, as far as where was it released? Was it on a, that's, uh, this, this year, uh, just to keep the name, you know, out there, uh, you know, keep the, keep the compulsions on, on people's mind. I just put out, I put out three singles, uh, this year, one every four months. And so it, 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 it only exists on iTunes. It's the only okay. place you can get it as well as we also did revolution by the Beatles and we did uh, Fascination Street uh, by The Cure, and that's coming out in December. Awesome. Cool. Guys, go to iTunes and buy this. Again, this is the Kiss cover 
Shock Me by The Compulsions. We're speaking with Rob from The Compulsions today. And again, show your support. Go to iTunes and buy this. This is Shock Me. heard right there was shock me by the compulsions we are still speaking with rob from the compulsions rob you know your music is very diverse you uh, you have a song like that you know a a song like evil bastard which has this uh, which i want to play later which just has some just amazing vocal parts um and just great songwriting i've heard some of this stuff more mellow some of it more harder you're you're a very diverse artist what type of stuff do you like to listen to i'm i'm guessing you listen to a lot of different styles of music i do everything from you know old jazz and country and blues all the way up until you know the modern day guys i love rob zombie marilyn manson trent reznor uh so it really runs the gamut from 
you know, Duke Ellington all the way up to wow. the best of, yeah, the best of today's stuff. Uh, but the band that I think, you know, is really the, 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 the band that I sort of based the compul- a lot of the compulsion stuff on is it's definitely the Rolling Stones. Sure. And one thing I love, one thing I always loved about the Stones is, you know, they could go and take any genre, whether it would be punk or country or reggae, and they would put their own spin on it. And so I just kind of wanted to take that same concept and apply it to my band. And so that's why you'll hear, you know, if you go back and, and, and dig deep into the catalog, there's an Irish jig on there, but there's also, you know, this funk kind of, you know, metallic kind of funk thing that we're about to play, or there's, you know, whatever. We just, we just do, you know, whatever kind of is in my crazy head, and we seem to find a way to pull it off. Uh, cool. Very cool. And I wanted to also ask you about the, the rock scene in New York. Obviously you've been a part of it for, for some time now. And, you know, a lot of the clubs I used to play are, are just long gone. Don Hills, the, the continental, um, as somebody who still is involved with the scene, has it migrated more to like Williamsburg and Brooklyn, or is it just, not thriving anymore. What What is the New York rock scene like right now? That's a great question, and I get asked that all the time. Uh, it's funny you mentioned Don Hills because the the first song "House of Rock" was written about Don Hills. Oh, really? Including cool. the yeah the the very first line of the song. There's an old man sitting in the corner. Anyone that's ever played in a band at Don Hills knows that Don was the old man sitting in the oh, corner. Nice, yeah, w- w- yeah, w- w- watching your band play. And D- Don was such a great supporter of of me and everybody that I, I really thought that he and his place deserved uh, a song. And so house of rock is totally a tribute to Don and, and Don Hills. Um, yeah, that's a great question. Um, uh, I mean, is there a, I, I mean, you remember Don Hills back in the, the day. I mean, I, I could go into so many crazy stories I have just about that club. You know, is the, yeah. is there a Don Hills for, for, you know, 2016 is there a club that that encompasses what don hills used to be say in like 1999 that's a great question um well one thing that don had that nobody has is don had go-go girls and and and, and that's something that that's something all the clubs need to bring back we need more (laughs) go-go girls dancing on the bar It, it definitely it definitely adds an element of um excitement and 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 uh and and whatever just just even as as visual eye candy it just definitely just adds to the to the scenery so nobody's really doing that from what i could tell right um i, I know i know there's cool stuff going on at arlene grocery and and there's a club called berlin that has uh that has cool stuff going down um uh, like you said i ran into your wife at saying by i know right. there's a lot of he- heavy bands playing there uh, to be quite honest, I don't really go out as much as I used to. Right. Um, just because, uh, I don't know. Um, I mean, I've done it to death. So, um, you know, I'm trying to think of some other places. Uh, the, the, I know that Delancey has stuff down in their basement, um, their, their basement room there. Um, uh, uh, What's that place that Nikki Camp is running now? Blackthorn. Oh yeah, out in Queens. Oh. Yeah, bl- yeah, yeah. Blackthorn. Yeah, it has a number I think attached to it. I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, I know. He's yeah. going to kill me. He's yeah. going to kill me for not knowing the name. But sorry, man. Um, there's a, there's a few things, but 
that holy trinity of, you know, uh, from when I sort of came up, which was, um, uh, uh, actually it was four places. It was Don's and Continental and Coney Island High and CBGB. Right. That was sort of, that was sort of it. Uh, you know, the Mercury Lounge is another place that people go. Um, but it's, it does seem like the, the, the sort of like dirty rock and roll vibe is, is, is a little bit more scarce now. Right. So, I don't really know how to answer your question. It's a really good question, and 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 that's about all I got. So, the compulsions. How how long has the band been together now? I oh, mean, man, when I say band, of... it's it's I, I recognize that it's it's you. A, how long a, have a, you been fronting the compulsions? As a, as an entity, yeah, I, man. I, I gotta say, probably like thirteen years. Okay. And before that, yeah. were you playing? Like, who else were you playing with? Were you were you playing with other people or other bands before before this then? Is, yeah. Yeah, this is really my first real solid attempt at a band. Right. Um, I had a, I had another another band just before the Compulsions that was basically the same same band, same songs, but it had a different name. It was called the Geezers. Uh, nobody really, you know, a lot of people didn't really like the name, um, so I kind of just changed it. We had we had a lineup change, and I changed it to the Compulsions, but it's basically the same same idea, you know, same style of music. I've just just kept at it all, all these years. Um, so yeah, no, this is this is this is really the only thing I've ever done. Cool. Right now, this is a great rock and roll song right here with some great vocals on it. It's called "Evil Bastards." This is the Compulsions. We'll be right back and we'll wrap things up with Rob. Fire! 
What you just heard was the song Evil Bastards by The Compulsions. That's a great song, Rob. I really, really love that song. Who, who's doing the, the female vocals on there? Uh, that's a friend of mine named Makia Denby. And, wow, what a uh, voice. What a super, voice. I know. She's super talented. And then there's another gal on there named uh, Valerie Evering. So it's the two of them. And, yeah, they just wailed on that. And and I think we, we like, doubled them up. So it kind of, instead of sounding like two girls... It sounds you know more like four girls, right? Um, right nice, but yeah. So it's 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 them, and they both they both just killed it. I mean, the the day that we recorded that, I had I had chills, you know, going up and down my arms. It, yeah. They just nailed it. And and you know, a lot of your your you have you have great songs, and there's good mu- musicianship. But one thing I've I've heard, like on that song, I don't, it sounds there's a rich production going on there too, and it made me wonder where do you record this stuff because so many bands nowadays it's like they're passing files back and forth and recording in their you know their bedroom do you, do you get into actual like full studios with with these bands or is it more like a remote thing no yeah we do and i have to give all the credit to um these two guys that i work with who have since become like dear friends of mine one is Hugh Poole uh he's he had a studio called Excello Recording um, he's since moved it and he's got a, a smaller location, which I have not fully checked out, but we did that. The bulk of that track was done at Excello. And then another, uh, dear friend of mine, his name is Ken Rich, and he's got a studio called Grand Street Recording. And, um, and between the two of them, I've worked with them, the three of us together have worked all at the same time, or sometimes I ping pong back and forth between the two of them, but between the three of us, um, we make it happen. And yeah, I mean, I love that you said that. Um, I, I, you know, my thing is, you know, I want it to sound like, for lack of a better term, like it's rock star rock, you know what I mean? Right. Like it sounds, you know, I do, I, it's on a shoestring budget, but somehow, you know, those guys know how to twiddle the knobs in such a way where it, it sounds like it cost a bazillion dollars to make those songs. But it really was, um, it really was, you know, you know, pretty reasonably priced, but um, but we make the most out of it. So yeah, they do a, they do an amazing job. Absolutely. So so Rob, we're gonna wrap things up here with a, a couple more songs. This one is a, kind of an exclusive here. It sounds like this hasn't been released yet. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it's called Addicted. Tell us a little bit about this song and who's playing on it with you. This would be um, this is me. Uh, Alec Morton, who I mentioned earlier, right. this is Frank. This is Frank on drums, and this is Bumblefoot on uh, on on guitar. Wow. Um, I'm, I'm on guitar also. Um, yeah, this. Um, you know, each song it sounds maybe a little crazy, but each song I try and make a little little assignment for myself, and and I've always wanted to do a song, uh, and I think it's gonna be the first one that's basically just one riff the whole way through. It's not that easy to, 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 to write a song like that because yeah. as, a li- as a listener, you know, you sort of crave to, to, you know, to go to another chord, to go to another part, but I, I really love simplicity and I love stripping things down to like just the bare essentials. And, I, I'm, and I'm all, I've always been trying to write a one, one riff song. And, uh, and this doesn't sound like it's one riff, but it actually, if you strip everything away, you know the band builds it up and breaks it down in such a way that we sort of disguise the fact that it's that it's just really riffing on the a chord and that's that's all we're doing we're just riffing on the a chord and i just got came up with these lyrics and um i'm I'm real happy with the way this one came out everybody did a great job on this one too
What you just heard was Addicted by the Compulsions. And, and Rob, again, that's not available anywhere just yet. Is that right? Not, that's exactly right. Yeah, cool. that'll be coming out um, hopefully next year. Cool. Cool. Looking forward to it. And do you get out on the road much with, with the band, or is that financially difficult? You know what? I would love to do that. That's obviously the goal. Um, we, we play out in New York mostly. I was able last year, uh, we, I did get the band out to, um, the Viper room in LA. Uh, that was the last show, um, that I played with Fortis cause we were just not getting along. Right. And I knew, I knew it wasn't in the cards to keep going any further. And so after that show, um, I just had to reassess and think about what I was going to do. And, and so, no, I would love to play out more. Um, there's talk of that and there's plans to do that. Um, and so hopefully I'll be able to, you know, make, uh, an announcement, you know, in the very near future. Cool. Cool. And, uh, we're going to get into another cover here. This is not the full song. This is kind of a little teaser we're going to do of it. And were you a big fan of the cure or are you a big not. fan of the cure? No, <laughs> no, no okay. not, necess- not necessarily, but again, like I said earlier, one thing I love about the compulsions is I love doing stuff that sounds like a terrible idea. And I love, I kind of know, you know, I kind of know what the average fans impression of the band is. And I kind of like to always challenge that and, uh, and, 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 and mess with that. And so, you know, the compulsions covering the cure, it doesn't sound like it would really go together, but I happen to love that song fascination street. I've heard it, you know, at like goth, parties and and, and and cyber fetish night, you know, all that kind of stuff. Like the DJ will always play that. And it's such a cool, uh, it's got such a cool groove. And so um, uh, when I was thinking about, you know, covers, uh, a friend of mine actually recommended another Cure song, which I was like, eh, I don't know if we can, if we can actually bring anything to that, but immediately made me think of Fascination Street. I checked out the lyrics and I was like, oh man, these lyrics are just great. Cause it's just like, one, you know, sexual double entendre after the other. And, uh, and I just thought that we could really give it a super, um, dark, you know, sexual predatory kind of vibe. And, uh, and, and, and I'm pretty sure that's what we did. Cool. This is Fascination Street featuring Bumblefoot and of course, Rob Carlisle from the Compulsions. What's his name? Alec is on this too. Is it Alec or Alex? Uh, I don't. I don't know if he's on this track. Frank right. is on this track. This okay, might have been. Um, yeah, this might have been Ken Rich, the producer on synth bass. I'm thinking. Okay. All right. Cool. We're yeah. gonna check it out right now. And Rob, thanks so much for joining us here on Talking Metal tonight. Thank you so much for having me, man. I really appreciate it. Love you guys. Yeah. 
so much for joining us on this episode of Talking Metal. Checking out from the Poor House here in West Orange. Please use our Amazon links on the site. And the PayPal tab is there if you wish to leave a donation for us. And again, spread the word about Talking Metal. Tell your friends. Connect with us on Twitter, Instagram, all the social media platforms. We're there. All right, guys. We'll talk to you next time. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.